So I did this skippily and welcome again to another episode of Latin in Layman's. So I want to omnes as well. Um, I was just checking my analytics actually right now and I saw that, well, according to, oh, I can't leave this, I'll, I'll open up another tab here real quickly. Um, but what I was kind of just kind of looking at here is I really don't know my audience. I actually, what I've done though, is I've compiled a bunch of questions from my audience members, but I just was like looking at my analytics to understand really how many people I, I have following me or, you know, I have impressions upon and well, let me give you a little, uh, image if you can kind of muster it up in your mind. So right now, all time, my plays, and this is for you guys to know, because I want you guys to know this kind of stuff. This is what podcast performance looks like when I'm like kind of evaluating my analytics, which I kind of rarely do, to be honest. But according to almighty Spotify for podcasters, um, I am at 21,522 plays. Now, when I put the information, there's a little information above plays where it kind of expounds on what plays really refers to. And plays refers to this is the number of times any of your episodes were streamed for at least 60 seconds or downloaded across all platforms. So altogether, I have crossed over 20,000 plays all time. That's rocking awesome. I'm really proud of myself for that. I don't really know if that's big or not. I don't think it really is, to be honest, compared to all these other podcasters and everything like that. But you know what? I'm just a lowly, meager etymologizer over here. Not a lot of people really seek out my content. So to know that I'm actually in a niche field that people are actually kind of seeking out, that's that's rocking awesome. According on average, my plays per episode are 47. Um, this is the average number of plays, and this is what the information says when I, I, I go into it deeper. Plays uh, for your recent podcast episodes. Um, these are the, the average number of plays and or downloads. So I don't really know how many people, I don't even download podcasts that I listen to. So I don't know if people are really downloading mine. According to my audience size, as of the last seven day, days, I am at 143, and this is the number of distinct devices that are streamed, uh, that or that streamed any episode for at least 60 seconds, or were download uh, or downloaded an episode in the last seven days. Um, and then my Spotify followers uh, currently are at 1,195. Um, when I hover over the information uh, marker here, this is the number of people on Spotify who are currently following my podcast, which is actually really exciting to know that I have that amount of people. Uh, hopefully, uh, maybe, you know, this this Q&A is a little, there. there's some, I, I didn't really prep or anything like that, but there's some little problematic ones that I want to get into um, because, uh, you know, I like to, I don't like to stir the pot, but what I like to do is I like to, I like to think, and I like other people to also critically think with me, um, because I know that a lot of things that I think are wrong, you know, and I am willing to change my opinion. I am willing to open up to other avenues. That's what, you know, like I've said, the beauty about science, the, the, why I love science so much is because it seeks to prove itself wrong. It's an, it, it's, it, it itself, come on. Let's do the reflexive pronoun here, Liam. It itself is 
a very humble discipline in our world, right? Because it's saying, hey, you know what? I don't know everything, but you know what? If you come up with an idea and you find that it can be tested and tested and retested and that that holds true, then we can actually lead that into theory and then later on into law and so on and so forth. I forget all of the steps in order to actually create something into law uh, in the science realm. But that's what I love about science. Isn't that interesting? You know, think about that. It seeks to prove itself wrong. It seeks to be humble, a discipline. I'm trying, I'm kind of personifying science itself, but science itself is humble. It has humility to it. But yet for some reason, the people that conduct science are not humble. You know, they're the people that are saying, no, it's this way, it's that way, it's these ways and skip it a bop. And uh, it's, come on, take, take a step back and realize that the discipline that you immerse yourself in is inherently objective, but also um, humble. It shows humility. It shows that, hey, you know what? Just always be aware of the people in your life that say that they know what's right and what's wrong. It makes me think of all these TikTok things where, you know, right, or you, you, you scroll out right on into a TikTok thing. And then what are you given right off the get go? Some sort of really problematic. Um, and uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Ultimatum kind of thing, where it's like, like people are, uh, it's all the time. Like it, it, you guys know exactly what I'm talking about. Sorry, I'm, blah, blah, blah. I'm just trying to figure out exactly how they, they start those TikToks off. It's like, these are the five worst foods that you could be eating right now that are creating inflammation in your, in your body and are causing you to die early in life. Hi, I'm a doctor or so-and-so, or hi, I'm a nutritionist, or hi, I, I have no credibility whatsoever, but I'm going to tell you everything that you should, uh, ought to know about me or ought to know about what I have to say because everything that I have to say is right and correct and blah, blah, blah. People that are like that, be careful. Those are the people, the people that say that they know or that they, you know, I always seek out the people that whenever I have a question, they come to me with the answer of, well, Sometimes it really depends on the individual or the circumstance or something like that. I can't really have an actual cut and dry answer for you because, well, I don't really know. It depends. Depend People that say it depends, I really, really value. People that say, hey, you know what? I actually don't know, but I'm going to go research that and I'm going to get back to you and I'm going to have an answer for you. Those are the people that I seek out for. Those are the people. I don't seek out the people be uh, that are always saying, this is what you got to do because this is right and this is the ultimatum. This is the right diet. This is the right thing to do. This is the right time to go to bed. This is the right time to wake up. This is the right morning routine. It's no. Okay, so it just, I know I get onto these humble rants sometimes, but I really just want you guys to know that everything that I say comes from a place of love and acceptance and understanding, and that's how I lead my life, and I always will, and that's when I, I just get upset when when people, and this is this happened a lot when I was really inundated in uh, in Puget Sound, actually, when I was going to school at Puget Sound up in Washington, 
Um, you know, and I've been such a far left person and I've come more into the middle as I've gotten older. I'm still very socially left. I'm, that's just what, what, uh, what nurtures my soul. I, I, I think that a lot of the left really do seek to, to, to bolster up the middle, middleman. That's one thing that I think that, you know, I see a lot of with the, the left is like, they, they do want to take care of people. I think that it's kind of gone a little too far and that pendulum is swung. And now we just kind of want to cater to how everybody feels. And that's just not really how the world works. You know, uh, I can't really, it, it really isn't. All right. And for those that understand, thank you. And for those that disagree with me, just disagree with me. And that's okay. You don't have to die on this hill of saying that Liam is a bigot or a homophobe or whatever, because I know that I'm not, even though people have done that in the past for me for saying things that are a little, you know, that don't align all, you know, it's like when you're like, this is what I realized when I was up in Puget Sound. It was like, if I didn't theoretically tick off all the right check marks on how to be a, a politically correct, socially left SJW, then I was cast out. And what I started to see amongst all these people who had quote unquote, saw themselves as open-minded were just eating themselves. I think that the very far left tend to eat their own, just like the very far right. They eat their own. It's like, you know what? Hey, if you don't agree all the way, it reminds me of religion. It reminds me of when I talked to everybody back in Utah when they, because all my friends had been Mormon at one point, And then when they decided to not be Mormon, that was in a complete identity crisis. But by them leading to that point of them finally um, you know, disbanding from the church and doing something that is really hard because, you know, they're brought up into it. Their, their life is it, their identity is it. And, you know, for them to, to have to like, you know, to, to remove themselves from that, it's a big, big thing. But across the board, whenever I talk to my friends about this stuff, because all my friends had been Mormon at one point, all my friends that weren't Mormon, I did have Mormon friends that were, but on the whole, those Mormon friends had grown up elsewhere outside of Utah. They didn't have the idea of culture, the, the Mormon culture in Utah, which most Mormons don't really agree with those that are actually, um, you know, raised outside of Utah. It's just that culture that's perpetuated within Utah. Um, but across the board, all the people that, you know, were Mormon, it was funny how they told me, they were like, you know, they always told me how it was okay for me to think for myself and make my own decisions. But then when I started to ask why, they told me to not ask why and all these things. And then when, um, and then when I chose that I wanted to do something different that didn't align with what they wanted, then yes, that like I was allowed to make my own decision, but then I had to incur my consequences. AKA I had some friends that had been uh, disowned by their parents just because they left the church. You know, it's very unfortunate that something so beautiful is uh, with religion, you know, cause religion is beautiful. It brings people together. It brings humanity. I mean, if you think about what, um, uh, a synagogue means, sin means together, ago, agere in Latin means to bring or to drive or to lead. A synagogue means to bring together or to drive together or to lead together. That's all it means. It brings people together. It brings community. I love that aspect of it. But hey, you know what? If you start thinking a little bit differently than uh, the, the mass, the whole, then you know what? 
you're cast out. And that's what happened with me because I started to be like, you know, I don't really, I don't, I don't really know. Be, uh, well, I, I remember having a conversation with a person, uh, uh, an individual that I aligned very, very far left with at the time. And I was having this conversation and it got really heated because there was a kid in our freshman dorm room. Um, and this was still like, I, I, I was still really heavy left all the way through my my freshman year into my sophomore year. And then after I think like I, I, I had to take my medical leave of absence from school in uh, Puget Sound, uh, when I came back into Utah, I think everything kind of started to like make sense to me because then then I was in Utah and I was having to fight for all the things that I believed in on the socially left that I was actually having to justify when I was in Washington, oddly enough. It was really weird to see this this weird dichotomy happening. And then I started to understand that I was like, wow, you know, it's just like the divisiveness is so real. It's so, so embedded. And, you know, I was having this conversation to bring it back to my friend here. Um, and we were talking now and, you know, I had always seen myself as very, very open-minded as well as all of my friends. We sit, we all called ourselves open-minded. That's how we aligned ourselves with the left is like the left is open-minded. The right is not. Um, I don't really think that way nowadays. Um, most of the time. Uh, but you know, I, I also don't tend to generalize anymore like I did in the past. Uh, sometimes I do, but I tend to check myself when I do. But, um, but yeah, I remember the, uh, there was a kid in my dorm, one of the only kids in my floor that was Republican. And then I remember when everybody figured out that he was a Republican, those that were left, aka most of them, and those that were like really like aggressively left, uh, really that I remember it was like, it was like a gang. It was like a, a gang bang on, uh, his name was Brett or is Brett. Hope you're doing well, Brett. And uh, we were in the lounge and we were all just kind of like chilling. And then, you know, the person that I had talked to about, you know, uh, you know, Brett being Republican and stuff like that, they brought that up and they were in, and they were in turn, they were trying to instigate an argument. That's what they were trying to do now looking back on it. But, you know, it started to come out and then the Republican thing happened and then everybody started to kind of jump on Brett, like as if he was just like this, like this, I don't know, somebody that, you know, deserved to be beaten down or something like that. It, 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 it was completely unnecessary. And I remember being immersed in it and not being strong enough to, to stand up and being like, this is not okay. You guys, this, what you do, you're doing right now is, is gang mentality right now. You're not even using knowledge. You're not using the thoughts in your head to bolster your argument. You're just, uh, pooping on them. You're just pooping on him and you're telling him that, that he's wrong just for the sake of it. It really, that was the first time I think I was given that image and I had to think about it. And I was like, is this really what I want to be? And so then I was like, you know what? I don't really think Brett is all that, you know, ignorant of a person. I remember having a conversation. I was like, you guys, that was very, it was unnecessary as a conversation I had after the fact it had taken place. Um, and they called me a homophobe and a bigot. And they said that I didn't value women's rights. And they started to throw all these claims at me. And all I had said was, I don't think that Brett is a bad person for being Republican.
That's literally all I said. I remember that so vividly as a freshman in college and just being so doggedly abused by them. It was weird. And if it made me feel so small because I, they knew me. I was like, you guys know me. I'm not these things. Why are you saying these things? It hurts me that you guys are saying these things to me because I'm not. So stop it. But I couldn't say anything because it was just like, you know, because they were so angry and I didn't want to like feed into that anger because I was way, way, way more of uh, a non-confrontational person back then. Way more. Oh my gosh. I felt so scared, to be honest, because they got like, like voices started to raise and everything got angry. And I realized that this intro is becoming way, way, way more of an intro, but that's okay. We'll have a longer Q&A because of it. But that's, that's why I just tend to take a step back nowadays. And I try to think a little bit more uh, deliberately about everything, um, instead of just going with the masses. And, uh, whether that be on one side or the other side. So with that being said, maybe that'll give a little rundown as to maybe some of them are just some questions regarding like, uh, what kind of music do I like to listen to or my most embarrassing moment uh, of which I'm sure you guys will find very funny. My sister felt, uh, uh, I thought that was really funny when I was talking to her when she, she blew through Colorado Springs here the other day. And uh, she and Sally, Sally, whom I love already, she's awesome. Um, but anyways, what I'm going to do here is I'm going to shut my mouth. And uh, let's get into these personal questions, somewhat controversial and uh, just fun. Somebody asked me what my favorite quote was. So with that being said, Let's get into it. Alrighty, let's get on into it. So from the first question here, lover of words, what is one thing you would change about yourself if you could? Um, you know, that's a funny question because that reminds me of the cutest little ad I remember I watched. I can't remember what the ad for, was for, so I don't care about the ad itself and what they were trying to push uh, because it was probably some garbage crap. But... I thought it was the most adorable, cutest thing in the world because it took a population of children and it took a population of adults and, at, and you know, they just put them in front of the camera and they asked them the same question. Now with the adults, it was always about what they would change, right? What they would change about their physical appearance. Like, oh, I wish I was skinny or I wish I had broader shoulders or I wish my nose wasn't so fat or, or curved or whatever. You know, it was all about altering and not being okay with the way that they had looked currently. But on the other hand, the kids, can you have an, any idea as to what the kids responded? Because at the end of the day, I think I'd kind of go with the kids now. Um, I, of course, there are always things like, hey, you know what? If I could change one thing about myself ASAP Rocky, I would change all of the autoimmune stuff that I deal with. If I could take that all away, I would take it away. It would make my life um, so much more easy. It really would. It would make my life so much more easy, so much more less anxiety laden as well. But I just, I, I can't ask for that. I can't change that about myself. 
Um, you know, I, sometimes I wish that I could change my weight. I wish I was, you know, heavier, but also, you know, an unrealistic type of heavy where I'm just like all muscle, you know, I still have those kind of body dysmorphic ideals. I think we all do, especially being inundated in this day and age of social media. Um, I don't think that anybody doesn't look at themselves a little bit more self-critically about their bodies and those that don't rock on. You guys are, you guys are of a, an upper echelon of people. And maybe that just comes with age where you kind of get, get into your, you know, your, your forties or fifties, sixties, or you're like, I don't care, man. I'm wrinkly. I mean, that's, that's what I tell people when they always like give me crap about my tattoos or something like that. They're like, which I don't get really that much anymore. But when I did, I would say, you know, like, cause they would always die on that hill of like, oh, it's going to look so bad when you get all wrinkly and old and blemished and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, yeah. I don't think I'm really going to care about the longevity of my tattoos when my skin is already really blemished and, you know, faded and gross looking, wrinkly and stuff. So thanks for thinking about me, but, uh, my skin is going to get weathered no matter what. But, uh, what, the, what do you think the kids, the kids all wanted superpowers. I wish I could run fast or I wish I could fly or. I wish I could be invisible or I wish I could lift a house or something like that. You know, all the things, it was just like, you know, they were so cute. They were so innocent. They were just like, you know what? I w- uh, One of them was like, I wish I had a, I had a, sh- a shark fin or something like that, you know, something dumb. But it's so cute because it just shows how, how society really, it poisons us. The, all of the views, all of the societal norms that we 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 start to glom onto as we grow up in this world, and they become embedded in our minds as kids with our plastic. And you know, we we can store that stuff um, like glue in our brain too. So, I thought that that would be interesting, objectively. I would change my GI stuff. I would change all of the autoimmune stuff that I deal with, my joints, my muscles. Sometimes like getting really bad migraines actually is one that really happens kind of bad with me sometimes. Just like things that really like make my life more difficult than it needs to be sometimes, especially when I'm looking forward to doing things that I want to do and autoimmune things say, you know what, Liam, not today. It almost happened the other day, but I was like, you know what? I'm not going to let this happen. And I, uh, I just tried to like, I don't know, force myself to rally in a way. Um, I don't know. I think I, I mean, that's why sometimes I come late to certain things is because I'm like trying to like Anyways, I'm not going to go into it anymore, but, but yeah, or I wish I could fly because who doesn't want to wish they could fly? Next question. And thank you again. Love our words. This is from retroly iconic. Uh, what are your thoughts on the whole role of medication and managing obesity? Now I forget the name of the drug, but I believe it's Ozempic. Well, this could be problematic of a question, in my opinion, but that's okay. We'll get into it. Um, 
I think that the role of medication and managing obesity is, well, you know what? It's both good and bad. I think that it can be used uh, in uh, in like in a supplementation form with all other forms in order to get that person from a uh, morbidly obese weight to a healthier weight. Um, I just don't think that. See, but that's the problem, you know. Like when the FDA comes out and then they say and they throw out bold claims like how the number one cause for obesity is genetics is just very untrue. You guys have to understand that. Like even as an an obese person, you know that, you know, it is a bit genetics and I believe that for sure, but it's not the number one, right? We have to think about all the other factors because a lot of those people that are obese have been grown into a household with a lot of rather maybe uh, obese people. Maybe they had those same habits around food, those same, uh, you know, food habits and views um, that get carried on into their children. You know, just like we were talking about with that last thing, society and everything around a child kind of molds that child in a way, right? The caretaker that they, uh, that they, um, that they're under, you know, that, the, that person is a force of, um, uh, is a huge role model to that person. So what I really think is that there are so many factors to it because I think that obesity also, there's an aspect of, you know, depression, maybe, maybe anxiety, stress eating is a thing, you know, all of these things kind of come together. But to say that genetics is the number one factor in obesity is how they were able to then label obesity as a disease. And once you label something as a disease, that's when big pharma can come into the picture and develop a drug in order to take down that disease. But really what's happening is that they're not taking down the disease, they're just taking it away, but mitigating it with other, well, it's not, okay. So they're not taking it away because at the end of the day, if you're taking a drug to manage your obesity, you're not learning the the lifestyle factors that other people that I've seen that, you know, like when you see those like huge, huge changes in a person's physique, when they go through that, uh, that lifestyle change, it's a big thing. They have to relinquish a lot of things in their life. They sometimes have to relinquish a lot of the friendships they've had in their lives because they just aren't serving them anymore. Um, they have to change their food habits. They have to change the way they look at food. They have to be okay with feeling hungry maybe when they are always feeling full. You know, uh, it, 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 there are so many different things, you know. And then they have to also be like, you know, I've seen, like, I remember watching these, like, my 500-pound lives back in the day where people that wanted to change were making the change, but even the people within the household didn't uh, support the change because for some reason, people don't like other people wanting to strive to do better. I don't know why. It's, But you know what? You don't need to get bogged down in that, right? So for me, it's just like one of those things where Ozempic is going to be a cash cow. It's going to be a cash cow, and it's also going to be an enabling thing. And I, I really don't want you guys to get mad at me by saying that. But, hey, you know what? It's way easier 
to to be okay with being obese when you've been told that it's a disease and that it's not your fault and that all you got to take is Ozempic and you'll be okay, that really enables a person. That enables a person to continue their lifestyle, but then take a drug and then, you know, things are not going to change that way. That's why when a lot of the time people go through gastric bypass surgeries, they have to present to the doctor um, and they have to actually lose a certain amount of weight, usually 50 to 100 pounds, in order to show the doctor that they're there and they're committed to the transformation and the journey because the journey is hard. Food is a drug. It can be a drug. There is such a thing as food addiction. And a lot of these people that are morbidly obese are also, they are addicted to food. Okay? It just is what it is. All right? And I'm... I, I, I come from this in the most understanding and the most gentle way because I see it, you know. I just don't, you know, I think genetics plays a role. But when you, when you are, you're, you're at the higher up and you're FDA and you're saying those bold claims, I mean, that's really going to hurt a population that really listens to you. It's like when I've talked about in the past with my students and how they, they take so many, uh, so much of the things that their YouTubers say to heart. And uh, the people up top don't realize the amount of power that they have and the responsibility that they need to wield with that power. I don't know. Maybe you disagree with me and that's okay. But you know what? I'm here. I, I've, I remember working out with, um, you know, they weren't obese, you know, just larger individuals and it's okay, you know, because they're trying to make a difference. They're trying to move forward. And at the end of the day, like I've talked about before in the past, it's about going into this whole lifestyle change. If you really want to change, you got to realize and look back and you got to stop hating yourself and instead look at yourself in the mirror and you be like, you know what? I haven't been treating myself well. I know it. I've been dissociating from the fact that I've been treating myself poorly, but now I love myself. I really do love myself. And I want to show myself that I love myself by taking care of myself. And the way that I'm going to start taking care of myself is I'm going to start moving my body more. And come, uh, and it doesn't have to be January 1st. It can be any day of the week, at any point in time, on any day, any month, any year. But it's about starting and uh knowing that it's going to be kind of a process and it's going to be hard and it's going to be challenging and that you're going to have to be self-aware and that sometimes you're going to want to turn yourself off and you're going to want to dissociate and maybe you do and maybe you look back and you get some shame, but that's okay because you know what? We're not perfect and sometimes we fall off the wagon, but we just get back up, right? That's what, what it's all about. So I don't believe in the Sozempic, to be honest. I don't. I think that it can be used in tandem with all these other lifestyle changes, but I don't think that somebody should just be given Ozempic and then they're 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 being told that they're going to lose weight and that they don't have to do anything else. But for some reason, humans kind of seek the easy way out all the time. Don't at me. You know it's true. 
Thank you again, Retroly Iconic. That was a good question. Hopefully, I don't upset anybody by saying what I have to say about it because it really comes from a place of love because I love all of you. What's your most embarrassing moment? All right, so now I can put myself on blast and you guys can laugh at me. This is probably not one of my embarrassing moments, but one that comes to mind when I think about embarrassing right off the the get-go. Sophomore year of high school, English class, Ms. Espeset's class. (laughs) If any of my friends out there listen to this, I don't know (laughs) if they do or not, but if they they do, they'll, they'll laugh, they'll know if they had this class with me. So... I'm, um, it's, uh, sophomore year of high school, Miss Espeset's, we have a poetry day. It's, uh, it's springtime and she's like, you know what, we're going to do a poetry reading. I'm going to have you guys. It was, um, I can't remember the theme that we were doing right now, but I was like, you know what, I'm going to write a a poem to a certain someone and I'm going to present it and I'm going to be subtle about it, but I'm going to hope in a way that it speaks to them. And uh, all right, stay tuned. So we all go outside and we're all just writing and stuff like that. And it's a beautiful day. One of my my buddies on the golf team, Zach, uh, this is when I was first introduced to uh, dipping. Dipping is uh, chewing tobacco, but it's where you just put it into your gums. Terrible, awful, disgusting. Can't believe I did it. We'll never do it again. Those that do it, please remember your, your gums. Anyways, I, uh, I did it. Um, and apparently it was this stuff called snus where you're allowed to swallow your spit when, uh, so it, uh, cause typically when you, you chew tobacco, you're, you'll, you're going to yak if you, you swallow. Um, so snus, uh, allows you the affordability to swallow. And I didn't trust it at the time. So I was still spitting, but, um, I remember I, I did that and oh my gosh, all of a sudden, like it just came like a freight train. I started to get really nauseous and really loopy. I'm looking all over. I'm like starting a cold sweat. My friends are throwing crap at me. They're laughing at me. And I'm just telling them, like, I'm not, I don't feel good. And they're just being little crap heads, you little frickers. And I remember we go in. And here I am just like, you know, my, my poem, I don't even, I've forgotten about my poem at this point. My, my bandwidth is like, Ugh. and I get to the point where I'm, uh, we're walking in the class here and, uh, and the, 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 the setup is set up in kind of this horseshoe manner where, you know, the person was going to be in the center, kind of like presenting, then everybody was going to be around sitting in the, in the, the classroom in their desk in, in this circular, this half circle manner kind of like a like a, an amphitheater, if you will. So I sit down and I'm surveying the landscape because I'm like, there's a good chance that I may throw up. And I'm looking around and I'm seeing all the desks and the trash can so conveniently is on the opposite side of the room. And I'm looking around, I'm like, all right, there are too many people in my, uh, in the splash zone. All right, this is the danger zone. And I'm like, I can't weave through that many desks in order to get to the trash can. And all of a sudden, it was like, all right, this isn't, all right, this is happening. This is happening. And I'm like, oh, crap, I don't know. And all of a sudden, all I do, I want you guys to just picture this. So I basically, I put my head, I like curl my, because I'm sitting at my desk. I curl myself over 
I put my head, my, my arms around. So I'm basically like, I've got my heads wrapped around so that you can't see my head or anything else. So I'm basically like, basically like hiding my, my, my head. And I'm like looking down into the, into the desk essentially. And I'm just got myself basically as covered as much as I can. And all that right there, right then and there, nobody even knew. I just throw up right on my desk. And then there I am. I still have my arms kind of covering it. So nobody knows still or anything like that. And then I look up. And I look at Miss Espeset. And this became such a running joke. Oh, my God. I look at her and I say, Miss Espeset. And I'm just like, oh. And I say, and she's like, what? I was like, I'm going to need some tissues, some tissues, like God. And then all of a sudden I, she's cause she, it, nobody can see or anything like that. That's how sneaky I was with this. Like in a way, like rock into me, but also like, as soon as I remove my, my arms, all of the vomit, I must've been dehydrated or something like that because it stood as a coagulated mass on my desk. I'm sorry, that's gross, but I'm just trying to paint a little bit of a picture. It didn't roll off the desk. It just stayed there. It just stayed there. And I sat back and everybody looked at me like the plague, plague man. Oh my God. <laughs> oh my God. You reap what you sow, don't you? And I remember, oh God. And the girl that I was going to uh, say that poem to, oh my goodness. I remember looking at her, uh, her eyes and her face looking at me. I was like, oh, you know what? This never, you know what? Never. It'll never happen. I have already ruined my chances. It's okay. That's probably one of my most embarrassing stories. Um, I've had my bouts with tobacco in the past or nicotine and tobacco, whatever. Just don't do it. It's not good for you. It's carcinogenic and it's not worth it. And it's just, it's gonna, maybe it's going to affect you like it affects me and it affected me pretty poorly. There you go. Um, thanks again for your question. I forgot to mention your name, Panic2020. Uh, yeah, I was pretty much panicking also uh, during that time. So uh, pretty apt of a question from uh, an apt username. Alrighty, this one I think is going to be probably my most contest contested question here. Um, so bear with me. This is from Proud Mommy, Proud Daddy. Uh, what are your thoughts on the current issue of gender and non-binary situations in public and charter schools? Should we be doing all that we are doing right now, such as hormone replacement therapy, gender reassignment surgery, and such other invasive methods to treat these issues when they arise with our kids? What do you think? And well, you know what? I can come from the aspect of being a teacher and being a caretaker in this, um, in this role, um, I am not a dad, uh, so I cannot speak from being a, par a parent or anything like that. So I'm not going to be speaking for parents by any means, but from my own, um, you know, my own understanding, my own opinions, um, it's quite a contested issue. A absolutely. I totally understand. I'm going to try and be very, very, um, 
Well, just y'all understand I'm coming from in this with the most understanding perspective. And I want you guys to challenge yourselves that if I say something that you may not agree with, don't just feel like you need to jump on me. Don't, don't do it. It's not necessary. It doesn't do anything to anybody. Um, let's have a conversation about it. If you, if you feel so inclined at the end of the day, I think that it's just so complicated. I was just reading a book called estrogenation about, you know, all of the harmful plastics and chemicals that we're inundating our, our, our bodies with now and our adolescence and our youth and how it's cropping up and, you know, uh, placentas and uh, you know, like all these other things are finding PFASs and, you know, newborn babies and all this stuff and how it's altering um, uh, chromosomes in a way uh, from, you know, certain studies. Um, they've actually been able to, uh, um, to isolate um, those kinds of things within uh, uh, lab studies. Of course, not with actual humans by any means, but they've been able to replicate um, uh, if anything, uh, homosexual behavior, uh, through, uh, inundating of these, uh, PFAS chemicals and, uh, all these hard plastic, soft plastics, all this stuff. So, you know, I think that there is an environmental aspect that we haven't really thought about that are really, uh, making maybe more of this gender stuff, maybe crop up more so because we're actually having a lot more cases of asexuality, right? Where, you know, kids are presenting, um, uh, with, um, both, uh, both appendage or well, kind of both, uh, biological, uh, sexes of males and females, like having both of those, um, genitalia, uh, in newborns. Uh, so, we need to understand that we also have been inundating our world with so many different chemicals and so many different things that I think that it really is kind of changing the the biology of, of us in a way. So maybe that could be a case, and that's why I just want to kind of talk about that at first. Um, should we be doing hormone replacement therapy and gender reassignment surgeries in this case? Um, I think that at the at your once you become of your own age, 18, 20s, and you, you, you yourself, you, can, you do not feel comfortable in your own body, and you are willing to take in, uh, all those measures in order to change um, your gender, your sex, um, I'm, I'm all for it. I'm all I'm down for it. You know what? I cannot empathize with someone that feels so uncomfortable in their own body, in which case they need to change their gender. Hey, you know what? But I can sympathize. You remember how we've talked about the empathy versus sympathy. Sympathy means that I can still, I can feel for you. I really can, but I just, I can't empathize. I can't feel within. I can't actually relate situationally to your experience, but I can understand that like, that's a hard thing. Gender is an identity. Bio, our, our biology, our sex is our identity. And to feel like our identity is in this flux is really, um, it's, it's problematic and it, it makes us really confused. Now, on the other hand, I don't agree with it being done to our little kiddos. Um, and that's where I'm sure a lot of, uh, people are going to get mad at me because that's where I've had people get mad at me in the past. But at the end of the day, this is, you know what? I'm not a dad. 
but I've been given so many great tools as a teacher that I look at my students and you know what? I'm their proxy dad in a way. Like I really do feel that way. They have given me such great tools. And I know that if I ever find myself to be in the position of a dad, I know I'd be a really rocking awesome dad. I know I'd be a really freaking good dad. I really know I would. And as a dad, I know uh, like if this happened, you know what? I would... I think the, the, the worst thing that you can do is to deny your kid what they're, what they're going through. You cannot do that to a kid. You cannot, especially as, your care, as their caretaker. You can't do that to them because you're going to make them feel so shamed. So, so shamed. So I would entertain it. What's wrong with that? You know, at the end of the day, what I would do, though, is, hey, I would, hey, my kid, for instance, not feeling comfortable. Maybe they're like eight to 10. They're feeling like they need to, you know, they're, they're experimenting. Maybe they're changing the way they dress. Maybe they're, you know, and we've seen this before in the past, you know, with tomboys and, you know, like I played with Dar Barbies back in the day. So did my brother, you know, like I'm pretty straight as an individual. I'm pretty heterosexual, but you know what? It was funny because my grandparents were all concerned about my parents letting me and my brother play with Barbies because it was going to make me gay. Guess what, Manny? I'm not gay. Sorry, not sorry. All right. So, you know, we need to, we need to get away from all that antiquated BS, okay? We need to allow our children to experiment. That's what growing up is is and now our world has become so much more complicated than it ever has been that why don't we just entertain it and that's what it it's all about if my kid were to be like i don't really know i'm gonna I, uh, dad you know what i would i would be i would like to be called this name instead you know what i would entertain you know i'm not gonna i'm not gonna go on this this hill of you know changing and and going to a doctor and allowing that doctor to put my son or daughter or non-binary kid on hormone replacement therapy or gender reassignment surgery or anything like that because they're a kid they're still a kid and they're growing and they're developing and they haven't you know what you you've got to let them go through childhood i i mean as as these parents uh and as someone that maybe is not agreeing with me right now, I mean, did you feel comfortable in your own skin growing up as an adolescent? No. I mean, if you did, you're probably one of the very few. But when I see all my middle school students, I'm seeing a lot of kids that are so uncomfortable in their own skin that they're wearing XL, XXL hoodies um, in 90 degree weather uh, on their little teeny tiny frame because they're just uncomfortable in their own skin. That's just what it is to be a kid. And that's what it is to have to grow up in this world. And you got to kind of like go through those things. You got to go through those iterations. And, you know, I'm not trying to, uh, to, to, to make this theme seem like a clicky kind of thing. But with my students that, you know, that, that hang out with me, I have a lot of non-binary non students that hang out with me, especially when it would be at lunchtime and they'd hang out and chill and stuff like that. And what I realized about most of them, actually all of them, all the non-binary kids um, hang out in their own clique. Uh, 
maybe because some they've been ostracized from other groups or anything like that. But, you know, it, it's also an aspect of acceptance and being ex- accepted by the under the um, other individuals that share those same things. You know, it reminds me of back in the day when I was a kid, I kind of looked at like the goth crowd is kind of weird. I looked at like, um, like the jocks is like a holes. I looked at cheerleaders as vain girls that only wanted to be with the jocks and, uh, you know, and that's, that's kind of like the way that I see it. Right. And my recording got cut off because uh, it only for Spotify for podcasters, it goes for 30 minute increments and I wasn't paying attention, but, um, luckily I didn't go ramble, bamble and too much after that, but, um, it is. It, that's kind of like the way I see it. And I'm not trying to say that, um, you know, non-binary is, um, it's just a, a social thing. It's just, or I, well, it is a social thing, but I'm not saying that it's just like this, like, you know, it's a clicky thing. It's like the goths or anything like that, but I'm not trying to minimize it like that, but I'm trying to say that, you know, the, the non-binary individuals, the, you know, that, that LGBT, it's already that group of people are already marginalized as is. So they got to find the people that are going to accept them and to support them and to, to, to make them feel seen and to make them feel like the reality is actually reality and not for them to be denied their own reality. Because we all have realities, you guys, you can't just deny a kid their reality. You can't tell them no, because you're going to crush them. And you're just going to make them kind of rebel more. You really are. I mean, your parents that are not allowing their kid to go through these processes are just going to actually reinforce that kid to do the whole 180 once they can. You, you guys realize that, don't you? The kids are just going to try and do opposite of what the parents are. So that's why I, I support them. I, I, I will always see them. And that's, 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 that's just who I am. Um, and I'll never deny that. I'm never going to deny that. I'm going to allow them to iterate through all of those things in order for them to actually sift through this world as an adolescent. And um, I know I, I I had said a lot of good things that I'm trying to remember that I'd said before. But it's like you can't deny these kids their reality or else you're just going to hurt them more. You're going to make them more depressed. You're going to make them more, um, you know, guarded and reserved. You know, accepting and seeing them as non-binary, you don't have to, you don't have to do the gender reassignment surgery. You don't have to do the hormone replacement. You can just see them and say, you know what? Absolutely. And in fact, if you identify as a circle, I don't give a frick. I don't care. I really don't. As long as it makes you whole and it makes you feel seen. And I can, and because at the end of the day, when I, when I show these kids that I see them for who they are, whether they are non-binary or not, the, the eyes, they light up, they look at me and they're like, wow, somebody sees me, somebody accepts me. And that's all it's about. Remember, respect, are re back or again, specto spectare to look at. When you respect them, you look back at them, you see them. And that is the simple, smallest form to show somebody. Don't deny them that. Don't deny them that. Let them go through the process of growing up as a kid in this day and age, right? 
I don't know. I think that people are becoming, they're making this way too much of a political issue. Um, it's, it's just, it's being inundated so much so. And then, you know, us parent or uh, us teachers, we're having to, you know, walk on eggshells around all this stuff too. You know, I don't, I don't want to have to do that. I don't want to have to deny a kid, but I also am not of the same camp where I'm going to allow my kid to have gender reassignment surgery at the age of 10. All right. And my, me by saying that a lot of my left friends are going to be like, you're not left, blah, 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 blah. You know, just like how I had mentioned in my intro portion, you know, it's uh, like when uh, me saying these things, People are going to be like, oh, you're watching Fox News or blah, blah, blah. This and, and I'm like, no, I'm not. Stop it. Stop. It's ridiculous. Stop say, Stop nitpicking one thing that I'm saying. And then you're like, oh, Liam's just this big old rep-. No, I'm not at all. At all. I'm a pragmatist. I care about my the kids, all right? I freaking care about the kids. And you know what? I really don't think that kids have the wherewithal in their minds in order for them to fully, pragmatically, objectively say that they need to change their gender at the age of 10 to 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, all the way. I mean, think about your prefrontal cortex, especially as a dude, is very, very much not formed as an adolescent. That's when we're taking all these risks. That's why I'm getting to, onto all my high school boys right now that keep on getting all these traffic tickets and they're blowing through stop line, uh, stoplights and getting pulled over by the cops going 100 on a 55, you know, the prefrontal cortex is already not fully formed. They're taking all these really stupid, stupid risks and doing all these things. Do we not realize that like there's a lot of growth that needs to happen? And of course, the girls are growing so much more rapidly than the boys for sure. So much more mature than boys are. But still, we got to allow them to grow up and to mature into their bodies. And then for them to be like, you know what? What I thought as a kid is not what I think now as a 19-year-old or a 20-year-old, right? What I thought as a kid is not what I think about as a 27-year-old. But for some reason, and this is where I come back to when I was talking to him in my intro about this, we're just wanting to cater to the feelings of people and to, and to, and, and we can do that, but we don't have to be so invasive about it. And we don't have to die on this hill where, you know what, somebody's going to say like, oh, well, you're not you're you're a part of the problem Liam because you're not you're not seeing the kids the kids can't you know what and and also the parents the parents the, the parents ought to be able to to make that decision for the kids and I'm like you know what as a if I was a parent um I I wouldn't do that uh I also as a teacher um and I don't mean to be generalizing this but as a teacher um a lot of the students that uh, a lot of the parents of the students that I teach, um, they're not present in their kids' lives. They really aren't. Or it's the blind leading the blind. Teachers know. Other teachers that I'm uh, that maybe are listening to this right now understand and they know what they what I mean. I mean. Seldom am I a teacher. I have had to teach so much character and uh, integrity. And, you know, consequences and like 
Latin class for me is an everything kind of class, and my students very well know that uh, there was a, a time, especially when I was at Rocky Mountain, where I was like, "All right, we're not going to have another spiel today, are we, guys?" Because you know what, I was I, I was teaching more about character and respect and how to be a a, a good person in this world. Uh, more than I was actually having to teach Latin a lot of the time, to be honest, because it's not just it's not being taught in school uh, in, at the household on how to be um, a respectful person to not only yourself but to the people around you and to your teacher. Man, like I I have some kids that can just be so awful to me, and I'm like, wow, is this like this is just all coming from the household? Is this really like, but at the end of the day, it's like, and this is why I don't blame my students is because I know that there are never any problem students in my class. There are just students with problems that manifest in behaviors. Maybe the behaviors are reclusion and isolation and, you know, feeling that nobody sees them and then they seek to be this isolated figure and I, I don't know, but like, I, I'm, I know that I'm getting off onto a little bit of a tangent here, but you know what, as parents, I think you guys need to take a step back and you know what, I think that maybe, cause I've heard on uh, some cases where the kid is threatening to kill themselves if they don't get this, 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 and uh, this happening. And if that's the case, then I would say just honor it um, and then let them reap the consequences later on in their lives. Because if they're threatening to kill, kill themselves, there's something deeper seated there. And I was listening to some some issues about that because I want to be on the side of the parents that also have those kids that, you know, are struggling with those things. And, you know, I can't imagine. But at the end of the day, you know, if I had a kid that was wanting to actually physically change themselves, um, I would also be asking myself, who around you is also talking about that kind of stuff? Or where are you getting that kind of information? You know, a lot of the parents think that, that it's the teachers that are doing that. No, it's, well, maybe it's some teachers, but it's not me. or And it's not a lot of the teachers, you know, there, there are some teachers, I guess, maybe, but at the end of the day, I'm here for your student, your kids. My, I am here. The reason I teach are for my students, hands down. If I didn't have my students to teach for, I would not show up to work anymore. I really would not. I, I for sure would not. I'm not showing up for ad, my admin. I'm not. Uh, there is some admin actually. My, my middle school admin. I will die on any hill for them, but they're the first time, like. My boy Colin, Angela, I love them so much because I know that they're come from, they're good. They're good people. When I know that admin, when, when I can see that admin are not just politicians, I can see them and I know that I will stand by them and I will die on any hill for them. And that's, that's how I will be for my, my, my admin. But in the past, I've had admin that I will uh, like, screw that. But also, I want kid, my students to, to come into this world knowing more and growing more, just like this podcast, learning more, growing more, learning something new that doesn't have to be Latin related. Latin class isn't everything class for me. It really is. 
But at the end of the day, I really this is something that I I, I I grapple with because I know that there are certain parents right now that are like, you know what, Liam, blah, 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 this and that. Yeah. You know, my kid actually said that they're going to kill themselves. And you know what? Actually, you know what? I'm going to backtrack a little bit and be a little political or a little bit of a politician myself and say, you know what? Gender reassignment surgery, all this exogenous testosterone and estrogen should not be being pushed to our kids um, when they're already going through pubescence as is. Because if you think about it, like I'm already seeing like, God, like I'm going to, uh, when I'm working out, I'm talking to these quote unquote Sigma males that I've learned is a new term. Sigma meaning that these guys just want to be like, I don't know, loners or whatever. But these guys are like young 20s are talking to me about how they're on Winstrol and they're they're on Dianabol. They're on all of these are drugs. They're 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 steroids. They're they're they are steroid hormones, but steroids as in like the oh, let's get pumped kind of steroids, right? Like I, I live for the pump, you know. Uh, I get to the chopper kind of thing, you know. It's uh, I don't know how bad that was, but I really hope that that wasn't as cringe as I actually realize it probably was. But I mean, like we're already kind of like. And this is where TikTok is becoming a problem is where all these boys or all these sigmas, all these younger boys are all taking drugs, all this testosterone, and they're zapping up their free testosterone because you're still going through pubescence. You're still having a lot of that because as, as a male, you have natural testosterone, natural test, uh, steroids rather, going through your body as you're gr growing up, and you know your voice changes, and your your voice drags. And uh, my students very well know that by the end of the day, I tend to turn into a pubescent boy, where I'm just want my students to be quiet, and listen to me. But for real though, like that's what's happening. You know, the boys are, you know, they have natural steroids going on in their body, but then they're being told that they need to take drugs in order to get big. And they, you know, they, that nobody understands them. And they got to be like Christian Bale from an American psycho. And they got to be like Ryan Gosling from Drive and all these Sigma isolated males that are just lone wolves. And, you know, I'm seeing this on that end. And now on this other end, why are we inundating all of our younger kids with all of this man-made testosterone and estrogen? Let them go through pubescence, and then after all of your endocrine system is done doing its dealio through natural biology, then you can actually think about whether you want to get on testosterone if you want to, if you want to get jacked as a dude or as a chick. Um, or if you want to change your gender, you can also do that. Or if you want to get gender reassignment surgery. But you, I, I really think that you need to iterate through your childhood. You need to go through those hard times because growing up is hard, you guys. And I think that we're not comfortable with hard situations anymore. We're more comfortable with cry, cry closets and being accepted and heard, whether it really makes sense or doesn't make sense. But I mean, I think that we're going to look back and we're going to think how silly it was that we were entertaining gender reassignment surgery to kids that are 10 years old and younger. You know, it just, it makes, I don't know, it makes me think of how barbaric, you know, um, 
circumcision is, right? Like, I mean, they didn't even like euthanize little babies because they believed back in the day that the children, like when you're a little kid, you don't have the semblance of pain, right? You don't have the because you you don't you can't you can't vocalize it. You just cry. You know, so they were like, you know, you're never going to remember it or anything like that. But that's actually kind of like some sort of they're starting to realize that there is a deep seated embedded um, trauma that's associated with uh, circumcisions, circum meaning around, scission meaning cut, to cut around essentially is what it means. Um, like a circumference, pharaoh means to bear, circumference, circum meaning around. Uh, what is a circumference? It's the line that is bared or born around or carried because a bear can also mean carry it's what's carried around the circle anyways you know same thing with you know circumcision is circumcision we realize that that was a rather barbaric thing to be doing we're still doing it but why it's not really necessary anymore we don't need to do it we did it you know for re religious reasons back in the day and you still do it for re religious reasons religious reasons more power to you but at the end of the day um i i feel like we've kind of we kind of have crossed that that divide and we don't really do that as much anymore maybe i could be wrong but um i have a lot to think about with this thing so i'm, I'm just looking at this question one more time and you know the whole issue in in public and charter schools is it's becoming a rampant issue i know that it's becoming an issue at my school um I know that it's becoming an issue in so many different schools. And at the end of the day, I want to be on the side of the parents. I want to be on the side of the kids. I have to be on the side of the parents because they, the parents can, they can, they can go and they can be like, you know, that's parents are the reason why teachers don't have jobs. A lot of the time, you know, they go in and they complain and that's how the teacher gets canned, you know, and that's, you know, that's what I have to, you know, weigh on my mind. It's like, you know what, I want to, I want to be there for my students, but I also have to, to weigh and, and, and walk on the eggshells of what the parents might also consider. So, you know, as a parent, I think I think pragmatically, or as a, as a teacher, I think pragmatically. And I think I speak for a lot of parents when I say that, like, you just gotta, you gotta let them grow up. Maybe some parents are not agreeing with me and uh, entertaining the non-binary, but you know what? I remember a lot of kids back in the day that really put on a lot of different masks as a kid in order to kind of find what they jived with, you know, and that takes a while. You know, I remember I went through many of phase, you know, I, I was like, I was kind of granola for a little bit. I, I was listening to emo kind of stuff. I was kind of goth in a way, but I just didn't have the, the, the attire and the makeup for it or anything like that. I was, you know, I, I was the golfer for a while, you know, I wore all these different masks trying to figure out what group I fit into or what I aligned with the most. And that's what you got to do as a kid is you kind of just go through the motions and the cycles because kids are ruthless. Kids are so mean. And I know because I have been the, uh, the subject of many a bullying, many a bullying. So I'm there with those kids too. And I hate bullying and I'm not, I don't stand for it. So that's why I'm always going to see a kid no matter where they're at. But at the end of the day, we also need to realize that um, there's so much more embedded
And there's a lot of nuance to this. So I'm going to leave it there. And, and realize that, you know, even in studies, you know, just like, um, no, I actually, I'm done. If anybody wants to talk about this more, hit me up. I can definitely get into this, but I'm, I'm, I'm for the students, man. I'm for the kids, man. I want them to thrive in this world when this world is just so confusing. It's a really confusing game. It's a really confusing video game we're playing here. All right. Maybe you got to play this video game on easy mode where you're just living a nice opulent lifestyle and everybody loves you and never, you, you don't have to worry about anything in the world. Or maybe you're on hardcore mode and you're on the streets or maybe you're on hardcore mode and you're not on the streets, but you're dealing with a lot of mental problems or, you know, you're, you're, you're debilitated in some way, shape or form physically or emotionally or mentally or whatever, you know. The human condition is a hard condition, and I think that we just need to honor what it is to be human and allow ourselves to just make our way through this world in, in how we can because we're going to be our own best friends, right? Because we got to be comfortable with our own selves because you're going to be with yourself for the most time on this earth more than anybody else. You're going to be with yourself with your thoughts and with your body and your mind and your soul. So you might as well get comfortable with it and you might as well be comfortable and love it and be gentle with it because we got, we got some time here. Life is short, but it also is the longest thing that we'll ever do in this life. And that is something to put into perspective because although it is the longest thing that we'll be doing in our life, it still is all so short. So that just means that everything else is just that much more short. Thank you again, proud mommy, proud daddy. Next question. Ice, ice, baby. What are your favorite recipes? Healthy recipes, that is. It seems like you are very much on that health. And then it cuts off. Well, anyways... Healthy recipes. I don't know. I, 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 I'm a big, I, honestly, I'm, I'm all about doing alternative ingredients. I like making brownies. Uh, recently I made brownies with black beans that actually turned out to be pretty good. Um, recently, um, and avocados as the, the healthy fats, but, um, you know, I, I, I've been splurging lately. I went and, uh, I've been trying to avoid buying, buying butter because it's like organic butter. Um, just right now, it's just so expensive. I, a pound of butter, you know, and I'm not going to go to Walmart to get butter or anything like that. But when I was I was going through Walmart the other day to get some lamp or some bulbs, I just always like to survey and see like what the prices are on like Walmart versus other like grocery stores I go to. And butter there, organic butter, like Hidden Valley butter, of which I really like, uh, is is like over eight, eight bucks. I was like, God. So, uh, as of recent though, I have been splurging and getting some organic butter, but it's still arm and a leg. So I'm not going to be getting it all that often. Uh, so I like to do that for some healthy fats because we know, you know, butter's a good, good deal. It's not a bad deal. I think in excess, you got to also keep in mind your blood lipids and, you know, hopefully you're not, 
you, you're not, you don't have the propensity for hypercholesterolemia by any means. Hyper meaning high cholesterol referring to that hormone within our body. It is a hormone. Uh, uh, it's a building block, in fact. Um, it's a precursor for testosterone as well. Uh, well, well it's not a precursor, but um, it helps for the synthesization of testosterone in the body. So cholesterol is really good for the, the building of musculature. Um, and then emia referring to presence in blood. So, but we don't want to have cholesterol in our blood really, or at least high cholesterol. Uh, if we do, we want the HCL or the HDL rather to be high because uh, everybody knows we have HDL versus LDL. HDL is the high density lipoprotein versus LDL, low density lipoprotein. Low density is the bad one. High density is the good one. That's why whenever you get, um, you know, a lipid profile done, and when you get your blood drawn, you want those ratios to be good. As long as you have good ratios and your HDL is high, but it offsets your, your LDL, you're all good in the hood, as well as if you have lower triglyceride levels. Um, tri meaning three, glycine, glyceride coming from glycine in the Greek, which means glucose, which is sugar, three sugars. Um, so triglycerides actually are sugar molecules, actually that, um, uh, sugar and fat, I believe I'm, I'm, I'm trying to actually, cause I haven't looked at this stuff in a while, but it almost sounded like it was raining for a hot second. I was like, I didn't realize it was going to rain. It's just the wind. Um, but, um, but yeah, anyways, uh, I, I, I'm always, uh, I'm always, trying to never demonize some sort of macronutrient. I think that the, we, people tend to, to get into the trope where it's like, oh, I'm, I'm no carb. No, carbs are bad for you. Or no, 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 no. Fats are bad for you. Or no, 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 no. Honestly, I thought that, you know, we've demonized fat. We've demonized carbs. We've demonized sugar. I thought that the next thing that we're, we were going to demonize is protein. But from my understanding, we're not. In fact, everything has protein plus in it, which I thought was going to get old after a while. I was like, you know what? All this protein is going to get too much. But now we're starting to realize in research that the more protein we're consuming, it's actually helping in the process of building muscle and also helping in the satiation of your appetite. So that can help with your health, um, health uh, your lifestyle changes if you are managing obesity and maybe you are uh, being prescribed Ozempic. You can also think about, you know, these are avenues that you can also implement. But um, favorite re recipes going back. Honestly, I'm a pretty run-of-the-mill guy. Like, I love me good quality, like, meats. I try to, you know, I'm always wary about labels now because I realize that everybody can really slap on organic or non-GMO and you don't really know what that means a lot of the time. So when I seek out meats, yes, I'm seeking out grass fed when I can and this and that, but sometimes it's too expensive. So when I, I see that and I don't trust the brand, even though it's saying that it's grass fed and grass finished and whatnot, um, I seek out bison, uh, bison, if you guys didn't know, um, it is government regulated, um, that bison are not allowed to be farm raised. So they are uh, by FDA regulations and also protected by the government, um, bison are only allowed to uh, to to graze on pastures. So if you uh, because bison they don't they don't label bison as grass fed grass finished, but they inherently are. So if I'm ever like not sure and I see 
Um, because a lot of the time I'll see grass-fed beef more expensive than bison. I'm going to go for the bison, actually, because I trust that a little bit more because I actually am uh, more and more becoming less and less trusting of the labels that I see in the grocery store. Um, so I actually, I seek out those kinds of means, uh, you know, so I'm cooking up bison big time when I can. Uh, I like, uh, you know, some salmon when I can, like, and I know these aren't recipe recipes. These are just foods. Um, I like making, uh, like overnight oat recipes. I like making baked oats. I'll take you know, simple things like where I'll just like throw in a mod podge of like I throw in like a bunch of fruit, dried oats, um, protein powder, baking powder, baking soda, maybe an egg, some applesauce as well as a binding agent. Um, I'll throw in maybe some, maybe some sugar, some uh, erythritol. Uh, I have bee pollen sometimes as well as I throw into, sometimes I just like to actually eat bee pollen as a pre-workout before I, uh, I'll like throw it in my coffee or I'll just chew up bee pollen and then like sweeten down some coffee, uh, with a little bit of salt, um, get those electrolytes in as well, because I know that I'm going to be excreting some already by drinking coffee as my, um, my pre-workout because coffee is a diuretic dye, meaning through uretic, you're coming from urea, meaning urine, uh, through urine essentially is what that means because, uh, coffee makes you pee. It also makes me poop, but of anything, it is a diuretic. So I got to be aware of like trying to hold on to the fluid so that I'm not losing the fluid that I'm trying to also consume and retain while I'm working out. Um, but you know, I'm, I'm, I'm big on that kind of stuff. And then I'll throw it all together into like an emulsive blender, blend it all together. Um, and it creates this kind of like batter like consistency. And then I'll just bake that. Um, and that turns into some like, kind of like these baked oats kind of thing. And honestly, it's pretty dank. Like you just get like a good quality tasting pro protein as well. I just usually get a vanilla or a chocolate based one. And you know what? And then I'll throw in some, maybe some more, uh, uh, cocoa powder in there. And it turns into kind of like a little bit of a, a sweet treat, in my opinion. Uh, at first, it might not taste like a sweet treat, but um, your palate changes. Your palate, it, it will change. Um, uh, and I've seen that day in and day out. I got to stop because this recording is about to cut off again. All right, I've ran through two 30-minute sections, so I know that this is going to be a really long Q&A, so uh, hopefully you guys want to listen to it. Um, so, yeah, we've got those healthy recipes. Uh, yeah, baked oats. Um, what's another one? Uh, one that I actually really like that I, I think it's kind of a, a lifters kind of thing, but I actually think this is one where, like, hey, if you want to, like, eat something low-calorie, but get a lot of volume in. I don't do this very often anymore because I'm not really trying to eat low calorie. It's so already hard for me to gain weight as is. But um, what you can do is you can literally get three ingredients or something like that. I learned about this actually on TikTok. Ingredients, uh, you just get a bunch of ice, xanthan gum, protein powder. And if you want, you can use uh, like a, you know, a milk of some type, or you can just use water. Um, you throw all these, th those things together in the right proportions. Um, and the xanthan gum thickens it up and you blend it for about five minutes and it makes it into this like creamy, like consistency, like ice cream. 
Um, and then you've got this voluminous amount of ice cream and all you just really put into it is a little bit of some milk and some protein powder and that's it. And then you can, you know, you can fix it with, uh, some things like you can throw some almonds on top, some shredded coconut. I don't know. I don't know what your deal is. Maybe some pumpkin seeds, some chia seeds. I don't know. I love me some chia seeds, man. I throw chia seeds in just about any smoothie I make. I'm a big smoothie type of person because it's, it's good on my digestive system as well. It's more easy for me to, uh, to consume smoothies and stuff like that. that's why I make a lot of smoothie bowls too and that kind of stuff. It's all about just experimentation. What's another thing? I love rice. I'm a big fan of rice. You know, whenever I'm going through a bout of like really bad autoimmune stuff, I go back to the bare essentials. Rice and chicken, rice and bison, rice and meat. Um, and that's what my body will thrive on. Um, Another thing, love me some oats. I love steel cut oats. Um, I used to do a lot of rolled oats, excuse me, but I had an ex-girlfriend introduce me to steel cut oats. And man, that's just a, that's a game changer for me. I love it. Um, steel cuts, uh, I, I like the texture too. And it's also one of the least processed forms because if you think about it, steel cut oats are the the right before rolled oats. So steel cuts are the form before they actually get rolled out and then they look like that little oat. So there are several different iterations of the processed forms of oats that you can buy. You can buy, you know, your groats and then you can buy your your steel cut oats and then you can buy old fashioned oats and then rolled oats and then quick oats and then it just kind of gets more and more processed as you get down along the line. I know a lot of these things, you guys. Give me a, a question regarding recipes or food or stuff like that. I can go off and off and off. Um, trying to think of other things that I like to do with recipes. Um, I like making a lot of stir fries. Stir fries are an amazing go-to. Um, and they're easy, easy peasy lemon squeezy. I love eggs. Eggs are so versatile. I'm so glad that eggs are being less or they're, they're coming down in price because, uh, love it, love it big time. Um, so yeah, so yeah, I don't know what else, if you guys have any other questions, um, trying to think about any others because I'm, I'm, I'm kind of trying to wrap this up now because I've. I'm ramble, ramble, bambling so much uh, that I uh, I have a few more questions that I need to address here. Uh, but um, yeah, good times uh, with uh, I love I love just experimenting and doing alternative stuff as well um, with ingredients. Lots of oat flour, coconut flour. Don't use a lot of regular flour. Sometimes I do, but I actually just will use it as more of like a sprinkling kind of thing to. To, to help with the binding if I don't think that the coconut or almond flour is going to suffice. Um, I think that that's going to do it for now. Um, if you guys have any questions, hit me up. Uh, I have plenty of recipes. I know, but I just don't have them offhand. And I know that I could go off and off and off if I continued on. Um, what is your favorite movie coming from Chez, not Cheese? Um, okay. Uh, duly noted, Chez. Favorite movie. God. I wish you asked me like my top 10. I can't give you a favorite movie. 
what I've been doing lately is I've been trying to watch all the movies that I haven't watched since I was a kid, like in high school or like the first movies that I streamed on Netflix when streaming was first a thing back in high school. I remember when the, the very first movie I streamed was called Pandorum. And I love me a good sci-fi movie, but um, that's the next movie I'm looking out to, to watching. But I just rewatched American Gangster. I hadn't seen that since I was a sophomore in high school or junior or something like that. Things that, you know, I, I'm, I'm watching these movies again that I hadn't seen in so long that I kind of forgot them. Um, I can I can riff off some of my favorite movies right offhand real quick, like In Bruges. I love that. It's a beautiful dark, dark comedy with Colin Farrell and... Um, Oh man, I forget his name, but he also plays in 28 Days Later, one of my favorite zombie movies of all time as well. If you guys don't know 28 Days Later, that's like one of the OG best zombie movies, post-apocalyptic movies ever. Don't at me, because it was also made on such a small budget, and it was one of Killian Murphy's first movies. I, I See, I've met people that pronounce it as Killian, and some people that pronounce it as Cillian. I was under the impression that the Irish pronunciation is Killian, but I could be wrong. But Killian Murphy, everybody loves him now because he's Peaky Blinders, Peaky Blinders. But um, I actually haven't seen Peaky Blinders, so I should get into that. Um, another favorite movie of mine, I remember, uh, it, I think it's because I also was so shocked by it when I first saw it, was Saving Private Ryan and that initial scene. Talk about such a moving scene. When you see that, you're like, wow, like this is, this is really heavy. And it's just a heavy movie in general. What's another one? In Bruges, Saving Private Ryan. God, what? Oh, Lord of the Rings, man. Holy crap, dude. I love fantasy so much. God, um, it's fantasy, sci-fi. I'm going to die on the hill of the prequels for uh, Star Wars. And I'm even going to be as problematic as saying that I might like the prequels more than four, five, and six, uh, probably because I grew up with them. But dude, like, I'm not going to lie. In the Clone Wars for the second one, I mean, the second movie was pretty garbage when you, you've got the Anakin and uh, Padme scenes where it's just, but you got to also realize Anakin's a young kid. He's cringy. And all those situations between and him, he and Padme, they're cringy because they're also young and they're also like having romance and stuff like that. So that's the way that I kind of um, give a little uh, leeway to Hayden Christensen for his really poor, poor acting in uh, Star Wars. And I also blame George Lucas because George Lucas kind of gave the okay on that kind of stuff. So, you know, like, I mean, when he's like talking about, oh, like you, you guys know the meme. I hate sand so coarse rough it's everywhere it's like dude shut the hell up man like do you think padme cares about sand and your thoughts on sand a negatory um so so yeah i'm i'm I'll probably die on the hill of that also qui-gon jinn i remember i loved qui-gon jinn because it, it was the first time i understood that that was liam neeson First off, I thought Liam Neeson's voice back in the day was like the most like wise sounding voice. It reminds me of Anthony Hopkins' voice, wise. And just, it's a voice that just seems to know more. I don't know. It's like Patrick Stewart's voice. You hear those voices and you're like, those guys, 
you can just it's like smartness just like exudes and permeates through their vocal cords i don't know maybe that's just me um uh, patrick stewart though like i don't know like i love i love star trek but that's not a movie um patrick stewart star trek like, oh i love Pat- patrick stewart so much he's such a great guy um and anthony anthony hopkins those are probably two of my favorite actors of all time and liam neeson most all of them probably so you didn't ask my favorite actors but those are my favorite actors i can't think of an actress right now but um i'll leave it there um there are a lot of movies that i love but uh gosh maybe in bruges just because i've never laughed so hard because there are some really bad jokes in there real bad but they're so funny that's why i love stand-up comedy so much as well thank you thank you chez i know it's not cheese it's chez next question what type of music do you have with brother this is villains always be chillin well, villains always be chilling because I also say that very same thing all the time whenever anybody asks me what's up. Um, uh, God, I listen to a lot of everything. I think my my I go through iterations of different genres. Um, it, it, mood dependent. I love heavy rock. I love some metal. I love me some electronic music. Um, you know, some of my favorite bands for uh, on for all time's sake that excuse me are going to be bands like like when my mom introduced me to the cure for instance she actually just sent me something about robert smith that i laughed at um things like uh rolling stones i grew up with i love rolling stones always always rolling stones is going to be always over uh the beatles any single every day of the week sorry not sorry i know that that's problematic for those that may love the beatles so much but I, I think that the, the Beatles can be a little bit too much teen boppy and a little too much poppy in my opinion. Um, and that's kind of how they got famous as well. I know. Um, but it's Rolling Stones, man. It's all, it's all about sympathy for the devil, baby. Please allow me to introduce myself. I'm a man with wealth and fame. All right, I'm done. Um, things like Alice in Chains, though, um, more recent, uh, Deftones, maybe, um, uh, Audio Slave, uh, also on the electronic route. I love, like, thinking about back in the day in high school, I listened to Above and Beyond and Artie and Alesso and Armin Van Buren. And why don't I pull up my Spotify right now? And I will play my ro- most recent playlist right now. This is a biking playlist of mine called Run It Back here. Um, let's see. I've got things like Arc Patrol. I'm a big fan of them as uh, as an artist, an electronic artist. Um, I'm a big fan of, uh, yeah, RT. I got some Notorious B.I.G. in here. Porter Robinson is an OG homie, in my opinion, as well as Odessa, one of my most favorite, amazing concerts I've ever been to. Um, Odessa, um, Drolo, if you guys have ever heard of Drolo, that's another really rocking um, electronic artist. 
Um, Lane 8 is one of my favorites as well. Lane 8, Alex Lustig. Nobody's ever heard of Alex Lustig because his genre apparently is called Vaporwave. And I've never heard of the genre before, but I think it's really cool, trippy crap. Um, I also love um, Rage Against the Machine, man. Oh, my God. The first time I heard Rage Against the Machine, it was just like... Oh, all right. I'll I'll pull up a gym playlist now, and I'll give you another aspect of maybe more of the heavy rock aspect of me. And oh, you know what? I'll do absolute necessity. Listen to rap and the trope of rap. Saba is a, a one of my favorite artists, as well as uh, you know childish Gambino. I have here Frank Frank Ocean is a little bit more R and B. Um, I, I love alternative rock as well. Litany is a great band of, that I listen to quite a bit. Uh, Han, H-O-N-N-E. Litany again. Kite, a kite string triangle. Is it, no, I'm sorry. I always said kite string, string triangle, and it's kite string tangle. The kite string, string tangle. Also a bit of a word tangle there. Um, Mood Robot. Casbo is a big one for me. Um, Darcy is another rap artist I love a lot. Mood Robot again. Um, I love Alice in Chains. There's Alice in Chains, Of the Trees, Canyons, S.G. Lewis, more Arc Patrol, more Alice in Chains, more Deftones. Limp Biscuit is going to be rock. If you guys haven't heard of Limp Biscuit, you guys got to get on that train. They're one of my favorite alternative bands probably that I got to come see. They're coming to Denver here in um, August is Jadu Heart. Um, Jadu Heart is an amazing band. One of my favorite songs is War Magic by them. If you guys have never heard of it, I urge you to give it a shot. Um, I'm also a big fan of ASAP Rocky. There are certain songs that I really love, like Ghetto Symphony. I can really get down. That was that was from his uh, one of his older albums, Live Long ASAP, back in the day. I don't kind of listen to his new stuff by any means. Um, I'm a huge fan of Tears for Fears as well um, and When in Rome. Um, also, Michael Jackson. Liz Cooper, I love. She's rocking. Vista Kicks. Um, and... When I feel like I'm going to cry a little bit, uh, Dream Ivory will get me in that moment where I'm just about to bawl my eyes out. Um, gotta love me some Fleetwood Mac, some Sticky Fingers, which is reggae, but that's also what I love. Um, yeah, I don't know. I'm going to leave it there, though. I, I, I'm, I'm ramble-bambling, and I'm throwing a lot of words and artists. Maybe you guys are curious. Maybe you're not, but... I hope you appreciated that. Villains always be chilling. I've got an eclectic uh, trope of music or genre of music that I, I glom onto dependent on my mood. And I also have a SoundCloud, you guys, where I used to throw down my own beats. Um, oh, my God. I'm going to do this right now because this just popped into my head. SoundCloud. And then uh, it's going uh, to be Beesome or The Con Man. No, it's Beesome. That was a nickname that I had in high school. Um, that probably is not going to work. SoundCloud, let's do Con Man. The Con Man, no. But I have a SoundCloud. Um, how about we'll just do Liam Connerly because Google knows me by now. And... 
Uh, if you guys want to go listen to all of the, the music that I produced back in high school, you can go to Liam Connerly on spot or I, I'm not on Spotify on SoundCloud. It's it's soundcloud.com slash the con man. I'm going to put that in the show notes, you guys, if you guys are curious and you can actually go to um, tracks and there you'll see, I actually took, because back in the day, I loved MGMT so much. That's a favorite band of mine as well. Back in the day, um, my nickname was Beesome, but uh, I took the album artwork and it says MGMT vertically, but I, I, scratched out the MGM and then I put beast with B E E S and then put the T. So instead it's beast and uh, I have a bunch of remixes and oh my God, I'm going to have to listen to these now. Oh my gosh. My Requiem for a tower dubstep remix has maxed out on all of its downloads and it's been listened to almost 10,000 times. Oh my gosh. Anyways. Yep, that's me. I used to be a little bit of a producer, dude, if you guys remember those kids back in the day. SoundCloud.com slash the command slash tracks. So if you guys didn't know, I uh, also did that. Your hand in mine, the con man. Oh, your hand in mine eats. I love me some post rock. Um, and then I have some of my own that are, uh, originals like Nova and Sasquatch and before the storm and another world. Oh my God. Yeah. I'm going to have to listen to these. I might listen to these. Um, um, if I, I was planning on doing a bike ride, but it's kind of getting a little overcast now. We'll see. I feel like I just have to pick a, a spot of sunlight in the middle of the sky. And I just chase the sun right now because there's just been so much rain in Colorado as of recent. All right, you guys, last question here. And, I, and this is the only one that I prepped because I thought that this was a really cool one. And I don't have a lot of quotes in mind, but I, this one had popped up because from no name, no name, they ask, what is your favorite quote? And so here I am. It's actually what I put at in my signature, in my email as a teacher. Um. And it's a Chinese proverb, not sure who it came from by any means. Get a little swig there. But it goes as such. If you're planning for a year, sow rice. If you're planning for a decade, plant trees. And if you're planning for a lifetime, educate people. I think that that's... It kind of makes me, makes up me in general. This is my podcast. I'm trying to educate y'all on the things in my head. And I'm not saying that I know a lot, but maybe what I know is helping you know a little bit more and vice versa. What I know now is not quite what what is right maybe 10 years from now. But at the end of the day, I'm always planning for that lifetime. And that's why I'm always going to be on the side of your kids. If there are any parents out there listening to me, I'm always going to be on the side of their kids. And so that's why it hurts me to, to know that all these parents are always seeking out, you know, they're going to the admin, they're trying to get these teachers in trouble for, you know what, there are some that are, that are garbage out there, but that's not me. And I'm here for your kids. And I'm here 
to make an impact as much as I can? As this lowly little etymologizer, Latin scholar, grammar man, grammarian who I am. In fact, that's my gamer tag on PS4 whenever I'm playing. It's the grammarian. So, <laughs> so yeah, I mean, it's just who I am. I want, I want everyone to know more because the more that they know more, the more they don't have to seek out other people. How empowering is it when you can do things on your own and not ask for, ask for help from other people? Anyways, I'm going to leave it there. But remember, if you're planning for a year, sow rice. If you're planning for a decade, plant trees. If you're planning for a lifetime, though, educate people. And thank yourself while you do it. Because I know that it can be definitely a thankless job at times. And until next time, y'all, remember really to thank yourself. Thank your legs and your toes and your limbs and your thoughts and your ideologies and what you what you go to bat for and what you stand proud for be proud of yourself for standing up for what's right or what you think is right because that's okay sometimes what we think is right is not right 10 years 10 years down the road i don't care it's whatever it's like how i said when i was back in the day as a little kiddo Fayette Street academy surrounded by a bunch of secular kids always give him crap that i was a religious kid but i died on the hill of fighting for my love for Jesus. I did. I fought hard. And I stood my ground. Be proud of yourself. And be strong. Because I know you are. And if you don't think you are, I tell it to you. Because sometimes we need other people to recognize and tell us so that we can then in turn recognize that for ourselves. Tempus has discovered.